0: At newbalance.com.
1: Yes, what is up, everybody?
0: Welcome to another exciting installment of In Soccer We Trust. This time, we're doing a recap of the game. US men's national team versus Uruguay. 0 0 result, but plenty of chances. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside one. Of my favorite former teammates of the US men's national team, Hollywood Heath Pierce. Charlie Davies will be joining us very, very soon. He's pretty popular, so he's high in demand and he'll be joining us when he can. But zero, zero results, Heath Pierce. Before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody that we are giving something away today a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus. And after I get through all this information, we break down the game. We're also going to talk about Wales and Ailes and Ukraine. That was a big result, obviously, that influences our World Cup group and who we're going to play first. We're going to play Wales first, but we'll get into that after the break. But back to the giveaway. If you're a resident of the United States, today we're giving you the chance to win a $100 Paramount Plus gift subscription, excuse me, that grants you the access to one of the biggest catalogs of live and on-demand content known to mankind. We're talking the Champions League, Europa League, Serie A, Europa Conference League, Scottish Premiership, the Brazilian League, the Argentinian League, NWSL, NFL Movie Series, South Park is included in that. It's all happening. Reminder that this only applies to U.S. residents. Have to throw that in there. And to enter, follow ISWT Pod on the Twitter and drop your Twitter handle along with P Plus in the comments right now. If you're listening to this later on a podcast platform of your choice, Go find the video on YouTube, put your Twitter handle P, plus, and that'll be entered to win. Our producer will, will pick it out and we'll announce the winner on next week's CONCACAF Nations League preview show. Okay, I'm done with that. Let's talk first, though, Heath. Before we get into the result, the 0 0 game, what did you think about the lineup from Greg Burhalter? Because I texted this to you, I thought it was kind of boring. I wanted to see Haji Wright. We got to see Joe Scally, but I also wanted to see maybe a McKinney Aronson partnership in midfield. And instead, we got MMA, which I thought did very well in the first half. But I'll let you get into your thoughts first. Start to me, talk to me against about the starting lineup.
2: Yeah, the lineup itself was a little bit uh, disappointing. Now, the upside, just to get straight into one thing that we can take off off the the list, I don't think Joe Scalley's there yet. Personally, I think he's showing glimpses. I think he's still a little bit too green for the international level. Just because now getting to see him for the length of time that we saw him today, he looked a little bit off the pace and knowing what to do and when. You know, when the game got quick, kind of what decisions to mm-hmm, make. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had a bad game. I just think he had an off game. And I think that's an indicator of the lack of experience that he has. Not quite there yet. Now, when I was 19 or when I got my first cap, I think I was 20 years old. I, I also probably wouldn't have wanted to be judged off of one single match, but uh, but we are in this World Cup cycle, and that was when I came in too, of not quite really being ready for the 2006 World Cup cycle, but, right? But that's what we wanted
0: to find out about yeah. him and others. It's like the sink or swim time because we're running yeah. out of time to evaluate yeah. players.
2: And I think that's a great thing, by the way, that that we're able. To, I, I at least, and maybe you feel differently. For him, I can say, probably not my guy. Which which actually gives a lot of life back to to who George uh, Bello. Uh, not necessarily George Bello because I think you have a Serginio Dest opportunity there, and I think DeAndre Yedlin shows that he can still play at the international level. He had the energy, he had the pace of it. He's a little bit sloppy at times, but between him and 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 Cannon, it maybe maybe creates a little bit of a of a balance there. I think I just think that Joe Scally's not quite there yet. It would be a big risk to bring him as your backup uh, as as a fullback within. Uh, do, you the like, World Cup. do you feel like? Do you feel like? Using
0: Scally as an example, you need more of a sample size because I know we're going to get into the center back conversation as well. And, and we only got Carter Vickers for 45 minutes out of these first two games. so We only got 45 minutes from Eric Palmer Brown. I assume we're going to get more and more minutes from them in the, against Granada and El Salvador, but they're not World Cup opponents.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I would like to see more sample size. I just know that Joe Scalley just doesn't quite look comfortable. And we are very late in the game. To even play the game of saying, well, yeah, it was maybe a five today, but maybe he'll be a nine this next match. Like, is that what you even want anyway, right? I think we, we saw enough to, to realize that this is a player for the future. He's a, He's got a ton of potential. I think he has a great future with the national team, but maybe isn't quite ready because these are friendlies, right? And you wanted them, and, and Uruguay are a great opponent but to assume that that wouldn't happen in a world cup where the consequences are much higher. I just think that I, at least I have enough. If I'm Greg Burhalter, I, I have enough at the moment to say probably not going to be the player that I rely on for this world cup. But right after that world cup, this is a player that again, right in the mix again, you know, trying to see what he, w- what he does within the national team and at the club level. Well,
0: what I'll say is that his versatility plays into his favor because he can play the left side and the right side and, and Greg tried him in both and obviously against a very good opponent. But to your point, I agree. I thought that Joe Scalley didn't look up for it or not ready yet. I think it's probably the better way to 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 better choice of words because yeah, I do think I do think he'll get there or at least yeah. he has the potential to get there based on what we've seen. There's just little
2: details that, you know, Jimmy, as a defender mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I myself, too, where he's kind of he, you could tell he's gotten away with a lot so far in his young career and as a young player over committing when he shouldn't, you know getting past the first player on the dribble and then not knowing what, where the answer is. And that's all reps, right? That's literally what he's played, like 20, 25 professional games now uh, at, at, at a high level. Like You, you know what's
0: crazy? If I can jump in really quick, it's almost the, one of the first sequences of the game where he goes above Christian Pulisic to step to the ball the guy plays it around him. And now we have Christian Pulisic running into the corner yeah. to defend a cross in our defending third. I was like, all right, if anybody ever sees that at any point, it's because our team shape is all over the place. And it's not yeah. only on Scaly, It's also on Aaron Long to communicate and make sure that spacing's right. That's part of the center back's job. And I thought that that play alone goes, I don't know. You, I don't Because it's not just nerves in that yeah. that particular play. It's decision-making within your team shape. And he made the wrong decision. And we didn't get punished for it, but we could have.
2: Yeah, and then, you know, uh, uh, outside of that, a little disappointed not to see uh, a larger Haji Wright sample. But Ferrero, you know, I feel like we are being unfair to Ferreira in the way that we were quite overfair to Ricardo Pepe, which is keep playing him, keep playing him, keep playing mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Ferrera is on the same tear at the club level that Pepe was last season. But I still continue to... Again, he didn't play bad. We'll probably hold him to the standard of the fact that he didn't finish his chances. But... Uh, you know, and his movement is good and all those types of things. But uh, I, I still kind of wish, okay, now we're left with two, two, two less matches to see Haji Wright for, for a significant amount of time. That could be a little bit different. I would say with Haji Wright in the
0: second half, when he came on, not a lot of minutes, of course, as you said, but, there were times where we need him to hold up the ball. And I remember yeah. he gave up an early one. It's not easy. I'm not going to say here and be like, oh, it's like the easiest thing to do. It's not very easy at all. And, and to try to insert yourself into a game that already has its yeah. own pace and rhythm.
2: And and Uruguay sort of took the game back by then they too. They kind they of did. settled in a little bit more where I thought actually like by and large as a a as as a, just a thought starter with this, these last two games for the national team, I feel very comfortable with our ability to play in a World Cup now. in terms Mm -hmm, of our ability mm -hmm, to compete mm -hmm. in terms of our ability, the the footballing IQ and ability of our players. It was so lost in world cup qualifying that we almost undervalued our own players because it's a scrap. It's a fight. and, And you kind of always want them to do more in qualifying, but in these games you could see in out, out the other side, intelligence changing the point of attack a little bit more of that footballing flow that we see a lot of these guys, especially the ones that are playing at big clubs in Europe. We see that pretty regularly. And then in the national team, you don't. So, There was some of that today and in the the last match that I was actually really excited about to just think like, okay, yeah, we can compete. We can play against Uruguay. Now, again, those stretches kind of, it was kind of an ebb and flow with some of that stuff. But I don't, I didn't, I didn't feel at any point like, oh man, we're in trouble. Well, one thing I, for
0: everybody that's maybe, I don't know, a new fan of the game or been a fan of the game for a long time, you, you know this. But if you can see us consistently getting numbers in and around the box when we're, transitioning from defense to attack and, and, and that's a sign that that we've created enough time and space and respect from the opponent that we can actually commit numbers going forward and mm-hmm. we also have the confidence to get forward because behind the ball we're organized we, we trust that the players behind the ball that if something does turn over quickly we can manage those situations we had to see a few of those mm-hmm. heroic uh, I remember heroic tackle there by Walker Zimmerman at the very end not that we want to get in those situations a lot, but but it's a good sign and a healthy sign of a team uh, that has everything that you're saying, Heath, when we can get forward and have some numbers. And I thought we saw that very quickly. And I want to talk about Jesus Ferrer before we bring on our resident number nine, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. What I think he does really well is pulling off the shoulder of a center back and creating a passing lane for something to happen. And... Now he just needs to capitalize on those mistakes or excuse me, on those opportunities because he did have one against Morocco in the first half that could have made it 3 0 at halftime. He didn't take it, he found himself in another other spots. And I actually thought that our our attacking or our play in the attacking third looked a lot better when Ferreira was in as opposed to Haji Wright. Now, this is with all due fairness to Haji Wright because he didn't get the same type of minutes, he didn't start a half or or a game, which obviously allows you to kind of insert yourself. It was clunky
2: when he was on though, he was it was, it was, was,
0: and I I, I don't mean Uruguay had taken it back at that point.
2: Yeah, but nope. but he he was clunky. It was it was a clunky it was a clunky period of time when Haji Wright was on the field. The US never really had that that right, right. developer build up play, yeah, floor, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it was interesting. We're going to get into some dissecting some of the the partnerships that we saw and relationships of the team. But let's bring on Mr. Charlie Chuck, <laughs> Chuck- Wagon, what's up, man? Great to see you in your rich mahogany background. It's very yes, nice. Thank you, thank it's you. Not even a the, Zoom background. He's even got the spotlight on him. Only half his know? face. It's very yeah. uh, the like nice Skywalker right and uh, <laughs> uh, Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Um, so, so we're talking number nines. I don't know if you want to give us your overall thoughts first, and then get into the number nines. But obviously, it makes sense for you to jump in about Haji Wright, Jesus Ferrer. What did you think of the performances for number nine? We saw Kai in the chat say that the search for the number nine continues. Are you on? On the same wavelength as Kai, or are you, what are you feeling, Charlie?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I wouldn't say the search continues because it's not. There's not another nine that's going to pop up out there. the The options are pretty simple. It's one of the the four, and Timothy Way has obviously not been considered as the nine. So, I mean, Greg Braltar sees him as the right winger. Mm-hmm,
0: so, mm-hmm. I
1: think Ricardo Pepe is still in prime and a prime place to take over the yeah. nine spot because. What it comes down to is the fresh preseason and playing time gets his confidence back. He's going to be the nine if that happens. Uh, yeah, all, those are all... I totally agree. Um, do you is think, do you is is think that first?
0: Ferreira... I mean, I, just to I, jump in on Ferreira, do you feel like... What I like about him is at least we're seeing him get... Even when he started against El Salvador, right? And that must-win game for us in qualifying. He didn't score all the chances, but he gets himself in good spots to make that happen. You have to mm-hmm. think at some point
1: it's I, going to, right? I'd say there there are instances where he gets himself in good spots, but from what I saw today, he went down because he lost the ball. Uh, the first four touches, he loses the ball. He also proved to me that he's not strong enough in his holdup play with his back to goal and not in terms of playing to your feet. Although that was questionable at times, but if there's any type of ball in the air and he's got to bring it down with his chest or win it with his head, it's not happening. That's mm-hmm, just not mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. You can't play through him in that manner. And I think that this team would be better suited with a player who can bring it down and bring in Christian Pulisic or Tim Ray or Pepe. Gio Reyna. <laughs> Right. But that's the kind of striker you need at this point, I think. And someone who is a better finisher because, you know, Jesus Ferrer lost the ball a bunch today. He did get better as the game went on, but uh, most of it I think was, you know, you lose the ball, your team wins it back and then you're in a good spot. It wasn't, I'm going to turn my defender. If I'm checking to the ball, I'm going to hold it up. Link, the link up play I thought was, was not strong tonight. Um, He did have that shot, but there was a poor first touch that he had to take another one then to get the shot off. So, and then for Haji, right, he came in, he made run run into the channel, which was good, but it was still, it it wasn't smooth. And I think that's what you're getting with the clunky uh, Heath. It wasn't smooth. And, you know, you could say he didn't get enough time or th- different personnel in the field, but at the end of the day, you got to come in and make a difference no matter what. Because I mean, that's you, what you're being
0: judged you on, work, right? Yeah. Because you if Haji Wright isn't starting, then we need him as a super sub. But like, you still right. have to come in with that right mentality, right?
1: You got to work your way into it. And and yeah. I don't—he didn't do himself any favors tonight.
0: Yeah, interesting. It looks. Uh, first it looks, and foremost, Heath, I just want to say that Charlie Davies doesn't like Jesus Ferreira. That was just that was what I took away from that. <laughs>
2: hey, I, I'm with you, Charlie, because I Jimmy Jimmy was coming in hot with with like you know things that he likes about Jesus Ferreira. I agree, I like those things. But Ricardo Pepe, take if if no one's scoring goals, Ricardo Pepe does all that stuff better than Jesus Ferreira does. That like uh, hold up play, running, one hundred movement off the ball. And and you give me you give me one shot at any point in the game, and I'm still gonna go with Ricardo Pepe over Jesus Ferreira in terms of who who has the ability to, 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 to finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the hard part is is like we've I've personally who 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 continue to write for Ricardo Pepe have no real foundation to stand on because he doesn't play with his club team. He hasn't scored since last what was it, October or something like that. Like he it's it's been a long time and he's got a long ways to go. But I like Charlie's point in that coming into preseason now this summer. Ricardo Pepe goes on any sort of run or even a decent amount of form where he's playing consistently, he's getting chances, he's having yep. good performances outside of scoring. I'm I still rather go with him.
0: All right. For everybody that's listening, if you're on our podcast platform of choice, hit us up at ISWT Pod. Let us know who you think the number nine should be right now if we started the World Cup tomorrow. Everybody else that's watching live here on the YouTubes, let us know in the comments. Very curious because I think it's wide open once again. And I think what's gonna happen is that somebody's going to dominate Granada or somebody's going to play really well against El Salvador. Like, that's our guy! But then it's not the same type of quality of opponent that we're seeing against a Morocco or or a Uruguay, uh, which obviously are going to be a little bit more difficult to get that same time or space. And when you play in a World Cup, it even jumps up another level or two in terms of quickness and decision-making and all that good stuff. Let's go line by line. Sean Johnson, somebody asked me who my man of the match was. I think I had to say Sean Johnson just because of that unbelievable save that he made he thought come to you first was was there any anybody that jumped out, out at you and then we'll go line by line but i just, just go with man of the match as we're talking about number nines and just kind of singling out one particular thing i thought john yeah. johnson was a surprise starter first and foremost but he came in and he was steady and he made a key save when we needed him to i don't know if he's angling for number three do you think
2: why would you start him if you didn't think he'd be uh, an outside chance for number three well this is what's interesting to me is that obviously greg when, when i talked to matt turner his whole thing was, well, Greg was valu- valuing the time that Zach Stefan was spending at Manchester City over uh, Matt Turner playing in Major League Soccer, right? There was a valuation of his daily environment and not playing over his daily environment and playing. Now they're both going to go to these clubs, you know, we'll see what Stefan does in the summer, but potentially not play. Now Greg Berhalter's position is like, who's playing, who's got the hot hand? Now I was thinking about, you know, uh, Gaga Slonina, who could be the third option, you know, Sean Johnson's not new in the national team. What's the point of having him, uh, you know, if you could work somebody else in if he's never going to play. But I see a performance like that, and I agree. Of, of, of all the players, probably a man of the match performance in terms of making the save. I thought he was calm on the ball a few times where he kept possession on on times that I think others may have hit it long. I think his distribution was was pretty solid. His communication was really good. So, overall, I'm just really happy to have a player that I know is going to be playing that plays for a winning team. Um get reps in the national team because I didn't expect that that would happen. I thought he'd be buried until the world cup and and we'd have to just hope for the best.
0: Yeah. How about you, Charlie surprise inclusion. Obviously he was added late because of Zach Stefan, uh, out for family reasons. Hopefully everything's okay with him and his family, but Ethan Horvath had gotten called in and he doesn't even get the start. He might start one of the other games, but I thought that Sean Johnson did well. and, And to Heath's point, pretty steady. I thought the first 10 minutes of the game overall, the team looked a little bit shaky at sixes and sevens as our Brit friends like to say, but, uh, you know, as the game and as we settled into it, I thought Sean Johnson settled in as well and obviously made the, the key play by making that big save at the end.
1: Yeah, I, I think Sean Johnson did did enough to earn himself man of the match. There were a few shaky times with the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's not get that twisted. But in terms of being a great shot stopper and coming up with the big save, he did that. I, I probably second place on man of the match is probably Tyler Adams just because he was all over the place in, in defensive midfielder. It basically made their ten irrelevant in the first half. I thought he he did pretty well. I w- I'm interested to see who you guys think hurt their stock in in this mm-hmm. game.
2: Well, we said <sighs> Joe Scally. We said Joe
0: yeah, Scally. We mm-hmm. said
2: Joe Scally.
1: Weirdly, weirdly, uh, my deep. other one
2: would have would have been, um, and it's not as, that his stock. Falls, it's just DeAndre Yedlin. I thought showed that he can play at the international pace, but was still a bit sloppy at times on the ball when to pass, when to dribble, those kinds of things. But that's always been DeAndre Yedlin, and I trust him there. So I would say kind of a status quo for him, which I think ends up helping him with Joe Scalley's performance uh, overall. But those are the two players that came to mind in terms of you know stock kind of raising or dropping. And then Aaron Long, another one where I'm still like, well, I didn't have to talk about him, so was he bad? Was he good? Kind of another another solid performance where I saw him put out a couple fires. I saw him have to handle some things off bad turnovers for the team. Wasn't super sharp every time he got the ball. But overall, again, another status quo where it's, I, I know I can't keep relying on this, but an, uh, warrants another look for me.
0: I, I'll say that Scali, I think, dropped off a little bit. Just just not ready yet. I think yet's the key word there. Yedlin, for me, uh, I, I agree with Heath in his sentiments. I would agree that, or I, I add that, it felt like sometimes he gets he just gets caught ball watching on, on the back post and, and another team on another day or, or Uruguay on a different day buries one of those chances. But getting forward, I you know, I think he's making his decisions of when to go forward and, and when to stay. That that has evolved and I and I like that he's got a little bit more discipline in that area. So that just be something I would I would I don't know if his stock dropped. I think I think that's what we know about Yedlin. I think Aaron Long dropped off a bit here, Charlie. I think that uh there's a part of your job. That you have to communicate. And I just don't know if he's doing that enough. Cause sometimes if you're coming off an injury or if you're just so worried about playing your own game and having the best performance that you can, that's okay in some positions on the field. But as a center back, communication is so important. And we were all over the place in certain Ellen's uh, parts of this game when he was on the field, where, 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 and, and Scally was out of position. And that's part of his responsibility is making sure that his outside back in front of him is he's joysticking him a little bit, making sure he's in good spots and when to stay and when to go, especially when he got Scally, who's a young player who needs that leadership and that communication to maybe steady him a little bit. We didn't think we saw a lot of that. So I thought long dropped off a little bit. I was surprised he started. I thought we were going to see Carter Vickers and Palmer Brown actually get the start. So I thought
2: he dropped off. Um What about Weston? What was, what was the take on Weston tonight?
1: Uh for it's, his a, it's his first 45 uh start. I, I, I thought he was okay. I mean, there, there were times where I thought he was a, a bit late to, to anticipating plays had the right idea, but maybe it was a step or two late, you know, try the, the crazy bike. Um, he, he's still a beast on set pieces. Uh, that's, I mean, he, he won another corner, I believe before that and after, um, I, I think, you know, Weston's going to be the guy in midfield anyways. So I, I thought Eric Palmer Brown took, a, a didn't help himself. I think he took a drop, um, late gave a lot of space you know there was no um simpatico yeah, yeah. With, with Zimmerman at, at all um Joe no, Scali- that's a great snoring. shot I,
0: I totally forgot about Eric uh coming in and and you're right there was some there was the on, the on the save that Sean Johnson had it was his guy ultimately I understood why he stepped up and got back into position because the ball dropped off and it's normal to to do that but you have to make sure if there's no pressure on the ball, you got to stay with your guy. So that would be one thing to add there. And then obviously, you know, got surprised by that ball up over the top where Nunez gets in behind and and uh on another day, Cavani, you know, scores that. So yeah, I I guess Eric didn't do didn't take his chance, right? Didn't do a lot with his 45 minutes. So
2: it's a bit unfortunate because I, I think we're all pulling for him a little bit. I I this is gonna sound like a hot take, but it's not. I don't like MMA in the World Cup not not you not not unanimously like saying this is our starting three because i don't think we have a great attack with those three on the field i think we're always in good spots and and maybe that is the game in the world cup for us that's going to that's going to get us results is set pieces all those little little things that aren't necessarily in the build up play i just think that we lack a real fluid uh attack through the three of them solid good defensively good in transition but i just i i've just been wanting something a little bit more through the through, through Musa, McKinney, and Adams. But,
1: but have I feel have like... I, have I not been saying that from the beginning? I said Musa is an amazing player. He is so gifted. But we all know McKinney's not coming off. And we all know Tyler Adams isn't coming off. He's the six. But there's no conduit between the midfield and the nine. There is nothing there. Musa is a player who will drop deep, even deeper than Tyler Adams at times, and dribble by three or four players but by by the time he gets to the final third it's almost like he blacks out because there is there is nothing that i've seen from him in terms of one twos combining create his own shot play the the splitting seam ball take a shot
0: the, listen listen chuck there was a there was a sequence in the second half where musa grabbed the ball and he ran like 40 yards with it and was amazing i'm like okay here he goes mm-hmm. what is he going to do now that he broke the lines and he got the ball cut under his feet. Two guys closed him down. I'm like, that's and players
2: open, by the way. That yeah, was a yeah. counterattack. And and Charlie, and, and, like,
0: Charlie Davis is gonna be so pissed right now. I know he's screaming at his television because, because Musa has that ability, but but kind of similar. he's just not there yet in these elements that we need him to have to your point, Heath, where he can allow us to kind of connect those dots in a way that maybe other players can. Oh, well, when and why I wanted together. to see McKinney and Aronson in the midfield yeah. together. That's why I wanted to see it. Now well when
2: when we didn't get a chance? yeah, when when Musa and Aronson are together, Musa's much higher up the field weirdly, weirdly. he's in he's in different pockets a lot of the time than when it's him. and uh, he's a lot more conservative and deeper, like advancing the ball on the dribble. But when he's with Aronson, uh, he's higher. And I would love to just see him be the advanced one with McKinney and be have McKinney be a little bit more of that connective tissue between between uh, those two because i I do like Musa when he starts higher. But when he's got to drive that far, he never seems to have the right decision or right idea. Um, but when he's, when he's in and around, the, we just don't ever have like three, four players kind of pulsing and probing in and around the top of the box. One, two is pulling defenders in and out of spaces. I just feel like it's so rare that we do that and that disconnect where then now we're holding this striker or nine to another standard because they're in no man's land so often that we don't have this like build up play where they're getting touches and they're involved in these types of things. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't to, know what I the have, answer is. I have but, yeah. to
0: jump in and say, I actually once we got a control of the game after about the first 15 minutes, we were getting some of those. We were getting some opportunities where we were combining at the top of the box. And I don't want that to just be discarded because of uh, other elements of the game, where we didn't do as well. We weren't doing that consistently, but there were about 20, 25 minutes of that first half where I was like, shit, that's a great sequence. Ball goes up like Walker and Christian Pulisic runs in behind Ferrer drops in the midfield, brings a center back. Christian gets in behind. Walker plays another good ball. We end up getting a corner out of it. Weston McKinney had joined the attack. We're getting Yedlin forward. You, it, there were these little elements that I saw, but and I was actually like, okay, MMA is doing something. But once the second half started, I think Uruguay made some adjustments. They made some subs. where They probably threw on some better players. We maybe got a little bit tired, and that's where we lost a lot of steam. But I don't want that, that 25 minutes in the first half to be discarded because I thought there were some good elements there. Now, whether we can extend that over 90 in the World Cup I think that's a discussion to be had, but I wanted to see McKinney and Aronson. And I hope we see it in the next two games.
1: It, it, and the, let's be honest. If you're looking at the midfield, Musa is so good at, at getting on the ball and he brings a sort of a calmness to it because Tyler Adams is always looking to go forward. It's It's not, I can, I can dance on the ball. You know, it's mm-hmm. one, two mm-hmm. touches. You get it off your foot. I think for Weston, he's always been like an eight, you know, he'll go box to box, but typically you don't want him on the ball. You want him winning balls, being quick and making the late runs into the box, being uh, efficient on set pieces, but he's not a player who's building the game. So Musa compliments them in that respect because he's that one midfielder who will, will say, hey, pass me the ball into pressure. I can get us out. I can dribble out of pressure or I can find the next guy. He's clean. So clean technically. My problem so, is when, okay, he to, when he gets to the final third, there have been times where he has no options and, and you could see it. He's looking around. Or right, who am I going to go no, to? But no there are ideas are no options. Ha- Both. Yeah. When you have when you have no options, I think he lacks the creative ideas to 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 make an option come. You know. But there have been times where he hasn't had any options because the number nine, whether that's Jesus Ferrer or you know if it's Haji, whoever it is, is not giving him angles. Who's not making runs in behind to create a little more space. And it's not the first run. Maybe it's one run and then coming back to make a second run. Just little movements, subtle movements to give you an option, mm-hmm, and then that mm-hmm. then that space creates another one. So, right, you know, it's really difficult because that nine is so important in not only the build up to to skip the midfield, hold it up, and then and then find M- McKenny, Musa, or Pulisic or Weah, but also in the final third playing those little those little slip in balls or being somebody who can come for a ball, check turn, and then smash it from 20, 20 yards out. We don't have that right now. So there, there there needs to be either another player brought into the fold. Like maybe Gene Gray <laughs> that Charlie player? the, the internet's so
0: mad man. There's like everybody so wants to know what's going on. Why is Charlie so mad?
1: And 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 uh, he's we're on the cusp. Charlie. We're on the cusp of something big. Char- we're missing like one one part. Tell me I'm wrong.
0: Not, not, not saying you're, I'm not saying you're not wrong. I just, I, let's pretend Charlie's not here, Heath. Why, why do you think Charlie's so mad right now? He's really mad. <laughs> yeah. And so I, somebody, I, Andre I, said, did Musa take Charlie's girl? <laughs>
2: yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. That's funny. They, no, I, I agree with Charlie that like there is, like there is these flashes like today, again, and I said this before Charlie jumped on. These last two games, I came out thinking like, I was kind of worried about, do we actually have the quality? Is this perceived quality in World Cup qualifying? Because it's just so different. But now in these last two games, two very different types of opponents, two technically good teams, teams that 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 are uh, are going to be competitive at the World Cup. I saw flashes and and in, in, in larger spurts than I expected of our ability to play through pressure, to compete, to fight, to look comfortable on the ball. I saw these things, but then it just fades for these long periods, and I and I go, man, there was something there, and it's it's bubbling on like a level that i don't think we i've seen in this national team for a very very long time but then it falls flat and ultimately we we lack this like sort of killer ability to to do anything in and around the goal which is which is sort of the point of playing the game is it not
0: i I think what concerns me is the type of opportunities we're giving up how many crosses they flash across sean johnson's box in that first 10 or 15 minutes and then they did it a couple more times in, in in both halves where you're like if we give up these types of chances, we're going to get absolutely punished because yeah, but well, we did
2: this, at, but the, the, the upside and, and I'll sorry to interrupt you. No, I, I want you to finish is that we were able to cut that out at a certain point. And this team previously we've seen even going through 2018 and, and some of the games here, even world cup qualifying, usually it goes bad for 45 minutes. And then we get a chance to bounce back for like a come to Jesus moment in the locker room. At least we phased out of those things. And we saw some, like a bounce back where we actually had, like you, you had said, 20, 25 minutes where we were we really good after that. Now, right. like you said, a good team fun, punishes you. Maybe you're one, two, nil down, but that's any game, any opponent, any club, international, whatever. But the fact that we stayed in it, we're able to like sort of round that corner, I think is there's some sort of positive in there as well. Okay.
0: No, I agree with you on that. So, Charlie, I'm gonna throw this last question to you before we take okay, I'm a break. In. We're gonna talk about <laughs> Wales, Ukraine. We're gonna I want mad Charlie. You gotta stay. you, you yeah. can't you can't yeah. change now. We want yeah. mad Charlie. Okay. What do you take away from the zero-zero result against the Comey Bull side? This is the first time we played mm-hmm. against a South American team since 2019. It was the Uruguay. It was one-one in that game. We got zero-zero here. There's still something that has to be taken from this in some way that we can we can spin to help us. We're going to get better from this experience. I assume that's how you feel in some capacity.
1: Yeah, I'm super positive over the past two games. If you if if you told me we're going to come away with four points, uh, a, a win against Morocco and a draw. Against uh, Uruguay, I would say Where job po- well. Way-
2: Where are those points
1: going? <laughs> They're going it's, it's, to it's our friendly- points. But <laughs> We're winning the friendly world. The, the results. You know? yeah, yeah, me I'm just for,
2: kidding. I I what you're saying.
1: For, for me, I'd say job well done. It's progress. Mm-hmm. Uruguay just smashed Mexico three 0 I I know the last thirty minutes was that A team, and we didn't get get a, a, enough of them. But that's still they had Darwin Nunez. That, that's a striker who's going going to go going to go for eighty to one hundred million dollars. So when you're talking about some of the players that the u s. faced, sure, they gave up some opportunities. And Cavani probably should have finished at the end. Darwin Nunez had some chances in the first half, but we came out with a clean sheet. There were some things that we saw. you talked about the the twenty five minutes or so where we controlled play. We were good on the ball. We were confident. Those are things you can build off. There was nothing mm-hmm. glaring for me that I'm like, oh damn, we're 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 in trouble, except for just that the clarity at the nine position. Because I thought after these two games, I thought we would have been a little bit closer to saying this is That's gonna our be guy. our nine, whether it's Jesus yeah. Ferrer, whether it was Haji right, and it's still a big question mark.
0: No, no, there's still some questions that need to be answered. Thankfully, we do have a little bit more time. We got two more games in this window, two more in September. And obviously the first half of the club season to figure out who that player is going to be. Hopefully we get that identified sooner rather than later. I would assume, speaking for both of you guys and and our producers, maybe we have that number nine figured out by the September window. So we're not still having a guessing game leading into November. Who's going to be starting against Wales on November 21st. And speaking of Wales, we're going to get into their big win against Ukraine right after this break. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Chuckwagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce. We're three favorite former U.S. Men's National Team players. We just, uh, well, we had a lot to talk about with those 90 minutes between the U.S. Men's National Team and Uruguay ended 0-0. We got four points out of our first two games. We're going to win the Friendly World Cup, as we discussed before. If you are... New to this, hit like and subscribe. If you're listening to us on a podcast platform, hit subscribe as well. Follow us on Twitter, ISWTPod. Speaking of that, if you follow us on Twitter, put your Twitter handle in the chat right now and put P Plus in the chat as well, you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card from Paramount Plus. Go make that happen. Go drop us a follow, ISWTPod, on the Twitter one more time for you. And uh, you're going to get a subscription to uh, an incredible platform. It has... Serie A, Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League, NWSL, Scottish Premiership, Brazilian League, Argentine League, you got the NFL, you got movie series. It's all popping off on P+, so make sure you, you make that happen. All right, let's talk a little Wales-Ukraine because everybody, in case you're living under Iraq, Wales played Ukraine for that last spot in our group, and I'm speaking from the U.S. perspective. Our group now it has England, has Iran, and Wales did the business. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. That's my overall thought. On the Wales performance. I thought Ukraine were the better team, but Wales had a little bit of the luck and some heroic defending from Ben Davies and some good goalkeeping from Hennessy as well to secure their first World Cup in 58 years. It's the last time. The last time they actually played in a World Cup, Pele beat them. He was 17 years old. That's how long ago it was, everybody. But there are who are going to play first. Heath, I'll come to you first. I'm actually glad we're getting Wales. I think Ukraine are a better team than Wales are. And I think they would have uh, probably proved to be a little bit more troublesome for us. Wales just feel like. A team that's got a little bit of swagger, but if Gareth Bale's not up for it, I think I think we could beat these guys.
2: Yeah, I fully agree. I, I I like the way we compete or match up with Wales. You know, most of what they have, and they have a little bit of that. You know, some of those players' names that that are hyped around Europe that don't necessarily pan out to the level. Ampadu being uh, an example of that, but still a quality player. I like the way we match up with them. What they what they default back to is fight. I think the U.S. defaults back to fight as well. And so I think the matchup with them is good. I actually like our quality and the way that we could break down. If you look at the games that we played uh this week, uh I, I like I like our chances against Wales and much more so than than if we had to play Ukraine or 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 even Scotland. I, I think Wales are a team that we should look at with an abil- with an honest ability to to get three points uh in that match across the board. Now, again, they're months out, you know, who who's on the field for for Wales come that world cup. going to be a different story but when i looked at the way that they played when i looked the way ukraine sort of broke them down at times when i looked at their lack of ideas they were just a a a good solid team that was willing to 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 fight for each other and that's what got them to a world cup i don't think that's enough to get past the us in the world cup
0: so so charlie before i go to you i made a mistake everybody 1958 world cup was their last appearance that's over 60 years ago won't happen again i rarely make mistakes over here (laughs) chuck let's talk about the whales because there's some type of arrogance. I think that plays into this as well. I think they think they can beat us. And when they look at their schedule for this, they play us first, they play Iran second, and then they have England last. I bet you they want to go into that England game, not having to worry about it. They can get a win against Iran, maybe a draw against us. And they just maybe just need to get a draw against England to go through. But I think that arrogance could be something we could use against them because I'm already talking to some Welsh friends that think they're going to be this 0 And I'm like, yeah, keep thinking that because we're a little bit better than you think you are. And, and they have some weaknesses, and I think they're a team that we can get after. And yes, Gareth Bale is an influential figure, but he's, not, he's a luxury player. He's not playing both ways. And I think we could take advantage of it if only him and, and Aaron Ramsey aren't playing defense. I don't think they have a proper number nine. I think they have a number nine issue as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on Wales and, and us playing them first? Because I think that game is so pivotal. We can't get a draw. Either, either team needs, really needs a win in that one, I think, to really set the stage for them to have success as to which team wins and goes through to the next round.
1: I, I think a draw is, is not the end of the world. Um, True. If you, if you come away with a draw, but in watching you, uh, Wales versus Ukraine, I think Wales is a better matchup for us. I, they're a little bit more predictable. Now they're very good at what they do, but you know, you look at transition, you look at set pieces, Gareth Bale, and then, you know, Daniel James, because mm-hmm. he, he is pretty electric. Those are their two guys that you really have to watch out for. They can hurt you on the counter, sloppy play. And you're going to get burned. Right. In terms of of just con- ball control, we're going to have possession. And they're going to give us possession. They're happy with that. But all of a sudden, with, with a couple of few you know, sloppy plays or lazy plays, that's when wells are going to hurt you. They're going to be very tough to break down. You know that. This is a World Cup. They're going to defend. If you score that opening goal, that's what's going to open them up. And you can force them to you. You're going to create some more space in behind. But that's a if. And we've had slow starts. We always talk about, man, the U.S., it took them 20 minutes to go in, or they gave up a goal. If you give up an early goal in this World Cup, you're toast. You're absolutely Mm -hmm. toast. So I I think that's where we have to watch out for this game. Can't take Wales lightly. Although you'd rather have played Wales than Ukraine, you still can't take them lightly. Every game is going to be a a dogfight. Especially, you know, you talk about Wales, England, they they're the, they're the the big dogs everyone has their tar- they have their target on their back it's a little bit easier to play against them because the expectation is you lose and then iran talk about a low block yes they have some some playmakers but they're going to defend they're going to invite you up and then look to hurt so um that that first game is going to be crucial in getting the first goal
2: jimmy let me let me ask you this yeah shoot what after these two games, these last two games for the U.S., I know we were all confident in the group because I think we got a pretty pretty solid group for the, for the U.S. in terms of our odds and chances compared to other groups or even CONCACAF I mean, Canada's got a harder yeah, group than us. Exactly. I, I agree with that. But I came out of these two games now, and I know they're friendlies, but they're against good opponents, and we haven't seen them in so long. And I was stuck in this world of, like I mentioned, with with qualifying, which was ugly and scrappy and kind of second-guessing a lot of my own Thoughts coming out, feeling like okay, there's actually a team somewhere in this that can compete. That's that is yes, World yes. Cup quality. Yes. Do you feel more confident now after these last two games in the way that our team can match up with the Wales that we can match up with in Iran, um, in terms of like our actual chances versus just the confidence of our of our national team?
0: Well, what's interesting is I still have questions, or the same questions that I had after these two games. Who who is our number nine? And this is us collectively. And also, who's our best center back pairing? Because I don't think that's been sorted out Man, either. Jimmy right? does not like Aaron Long,
1: huh? No, no, no. I'm no he, he, he just Wait. absolutely tore up the center backs right now. Oh my god.
0: I'm <laughs> just saying, it just hasn't been answered yet. He <laughs> no, just ripped you a piece of, of wh- paper. Why is he so why is he angry? I get he took it, a piece of paper, ripped it. it right in half, and was yeah, like things don't right, go together. I'm just saying it hasn't been solidified yet. I'm angry because you this took my girl. That's why I'm angry, Charlie. So so Charlie, so what I'm gonna say is uh you know, we still, what, what happens when Gio Reyna comes back into the team, G- Serginho Desk, when we start to get these guys back in, you know, how, how can we get them inserted in and obviously build off of that? But yes, to your point, Heath, there were some some sequences that I saw that were fantastic that I think can hurt any, any teams out there. If the timing's right, we're moving together as a group bo- on both sides of the ball. When I think about this Wales team, though, this is a core group of players that have been together for a long time. This is a team that made a tremendous run to the semifinals in the Euros in 2016 and the Euros last summer, they got to the round of 16 and because they have this big tournament experience that a lot of our, our players don't have, but this core of players does that gives me some concern with regard to how to manage this first game and, and what, and how we should walk into this. Now I do think we can beat them. I think that we have the quality to do so. It's just those, those chances that we're giving up right now that, that I don't, you know, obviously a, a team with quality, a team with a Gareth Bale on it is going to get a chance or two, and they're going to, they're they're going to be dangerous. I just feel like we're giving up maybe too many of those. Matt Turner had to make a lot of saves. You know, we still have Sean Johnson and we're doing a lot of heroic defending. I, I want to limit that to, to and minimize that as much as possible. So that's where I'm coming from, from a center back perspective. Um, so maybe Aaron long took my girl. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. <what's happening. laughs> so that's ultimately what I'm talking about with regard to that. But but I wonder, and and now also Wales. I think we're really nervous going into this, Charlie. I'll get any of your final thoughts on Wales, and and, mm-hmm. and but but with regard to, I think they were nervous for this Ukraine game. I th- look, Ukraine looked a little nervous too. They lacked a little bit of that quality in front of the goal. But now they have five months to prepare for us, and 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 I wonder they're going to say all the right things, but I wonder how, how ready they're going to be for us because I think we can hurt you in a lot of different ways. To Heath's point,
1: yeah. Wales is is as a team, you know, they play with the three in the back. Ben Davies is the one who puts out a lot of fires for them. He he's, he was a stud defender for Wales in the premiership hot and cold. Hmm. Um, but I think Ramsey is kind of the X factor with this group mm-hmm. because he hasn't, he hasn't been good for, for a, a bit. The move to Juve I think kind of took him off because he was flying with Arsenal. Then with Juve it's kind of been shaky. And then with Rangers, it's only, it's been a short-term deal. So looking at what his next move is, because that's a, that's a creative playmaker. That's a player when he's at fit and he's, and he's doing really well, he he can break down the U S he can find, he can get in those pockets. He can be the one to create for Gareth Bale for Daniel James. So um, the Wales team is, is a a team that I would be cautious about for sure. That's, that's not a gimme game. It's going to be super difficult, especially when they, the way they defend, but it's it's a it's a team that you should feel pretty confident about. Like, you, if I'm if I'm in the U.S. locker room, I'm feeling optimistic.
2: Yeah. So what I'll say, you're is not feeling team, like the underdog. You're feeling you're no, feeling like you're oh, feeling there's the we if we do if we execute, we can win this game. And as opposed to being like you know, hope for the best or like get a, get one or two chances, squeak it out type of thing that you're gonna do in an away game in Concacaf.
0: I think it's coming down to that last game against Iran, whether we, we advance or not. Um, and would you I, like that if,
1: if they give you those odds?
0: Yes, I would like that. I mean, Iran at that point could have two losses, so they might not have that much to play for. Of course we played them in the 98 world cup in the last group stage game with neither one of the teams having anything to play for in that last one. And they beat us two one. So yeah, I, I would take it. I would take it. I, I guess it depends on how we played leading up to that game, but, but, uh, all you want is a chance in that last game, you know. To, to we had it in 2002 when I played No. Six. We had a chance. We had to beat Ghana. It didn't work out. And when I think about that game in particular, we we made two mistakes and we got punished for it. And and if we make those same types of mistakes or similar things that we saw today, we we are going to get punished. And, and I just want to make sure that I'm going back to that. I'm feeling like I'm wearing my dad hat right now. <laughs> you should know better, guys. You know, to to get your shape out of position. But yeah, it's tough. It's interesting. Now let's pivot over to to another piece of news. And Heath, I'll throw this to you first. I want to get your thoughts on this? But Canada had a game against Panama. Well, initially it was supposed to be with Iran, that got canceled because of some history between those two. And and just uh, go read up on it. It's it's, and I understand why they didn't want to play them, and they shouldn't have never scheduled it in the first place. But I, I really encourage you to go to read up on that. So they they booked Panama instead, but now they're fighting. Their union, the players, are fighting against the federation to get something similar to what the women and men have done over here with the U S which is very inspiring that we are now role models in this space as opposed to fighting each other all the time now, but they they ended up canceling their game in Vancouver against Panama. didn't even play it to, to make sure that uh, they're being heard and that this gets adjusted and fixed before this world cup starts. What are your thoughts on this whole Canadian national team situation? <clears throat>
2: You know, just it's gonna go, get lo- just overall. You don't have yeah, to. Yeah, it, 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 it's gonna get interview. it's gonna get lost in translation, right? With the fans who bought tickets and all those types of things, and and clearly some some real oversight or lack of oversight uh, with with the Iran game going into this. But I like the way that things are setting into motion. If you're Canada right now, and I remember when we were in the national team and you got business class flights, we had really good bonuses and things like that. Canada didn't have any of that still, right? Mm-hmm. And Canada, quite frankly weren't popular uh, in, in Canada. They weren't getting results. They hadn't qualified for a World Cup, but now they're turning. I'm talking about the, the, the men's team. The women's team has been fantastic for a very long time, but the the, the men's team is now rounded a corner. and we're, we're seeing the building blocks of what I think could be a, a, a significant footballing sort of national team for, for the foreseeable future. And I think w- what the U.S. did on the men's and women's side coming together and and what I think is setting a precedent is allowing Canada to look at that and say, hey, we deserve more. We want more. We we have now elevated this program to a certain level, and now uh, they're 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 asking for a bit more. Now, whether that's grounded in reality or it's just going to the extreme, I don't know because I haven't really read up on on the significance of of what they're asking for or what they're not getting that they that they want. But I do think a lot of this goes back to what the U.S. has done, and it's setting a new standard and an accountability across national teams to build, uh, a, one, a stronger foundation of, of funds to be able to support your national teams, but two, start to take care of these players in a way that perhaps they weren't before. We've been spoiled for our U.S. national team program on the men's side. I can only speak to that because that's the only one I've been part of for a very long time compared to other countries. But now that Canada are in the in the World Cup, Th- they should ask for 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 more, whatever that whatever that may
0: be, and see. Well, what I got some details for you. So so the the national team for Canada came out and put out a letter saying federation. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, and I'll get into the top points. And then, Charlie, I want to get your idea, your your thoughts on this. Uh, they said we have recently learned that in 2018, Canada Soccer signed an agreement with Canadian Soccer Business another completely different entity. It feels very uh, like Soccer United Marketing and U.S. Soccer that has completely compromised their ability to leverage the on-field success of our senior national team. To have any chance of creating substantial lasting change for all Canada soccer programs, we need the terms of this agreement to be disclosed and corrected. So they want transparency with this agreement, which hasn't happened yet. They're also asking for a leadership team that can optimize this moment and generate revenue from corporate sponsorship that should be used to drive the game forward at all levels for years to come, grassroots youth, Uh, Paralympic and senior programs. An equitable structure with our women's national team that shares the same players, same stuff as the men, very similar to what the men and women here with the U.S. did. World Cup compensation that includes 40% of the prize money and a comprehensive friends and family package for the 2022 World Cup. So I think this is a good time, Charlie, for the Canadian men to dig their heels in because they already know they're qualifying for 26. They have to maybe get that impact and that change now while the, while the iron's hot with them qualifying. And then they said they added one more, more former players from the men's and women's and the Paralympic teams integrated into leadership positions within Canada's soccer board and organization. Mm. Any thoughts on that, Chuck?
1: I I think it's powerful. I I think, you know, it's, it's admirable because you are taking a stand and yet people have to do it and and it's all about timing and and making sure that the world can hear you CONCACAF can hear you and they're doing it and so Mm -hmm. you know yes it benefits the u.s men's uh the canada men's national team in terms of flights and packages and bonuses but they're making it clear that it's not just about them it's also about the women's it's also about the future soccer players Mm -hmm. and and the program so i'm all about it i mean there, w- there would be a t- point where you'd say just play who who cares just be happy you qualified for the World Cup right, like, no right, that's, right. we're past those times so um it, well done by by the the men's team to kind of really put the hammer down. It,
2: it sounds a lot like like i mean and and it's it's using the leverage that they have and i and i totally respect that and think they should because you you wait for you you work your entire career for that moment of leverage. If you're an individual player to leverage for a new contract and those types of things, it's it's the right time to do this. But it also sounds like they're demanding just a professionalization of the entire federation, right? Mm-hmm. Of Commercialization and all these things that again, we have, right? US soccer has a massive uh, commercial team that they're going to be building heading towards 2026 in-house and which they previously had with Soccer United Marketing. It sounds like all of that they're saying needs to just step up a higher level, not have it be this mom and pop program, which it was for a very, very long time uh, in terms of the, the amount of uh, full-time staff they had. Again, the integration of those players, former players into leadership roles, which is super important. We're seeing that now with us soccer, with, with uh, Cindy Cohn and, and um, yeah, I, I, I have nothing but respect and, and solidarity with what they're trying to accomplish and hope that it, it, it works out for, for the better in the long run.
0: Yeah, it's 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 uh, interesting timing, and they also put out a note, you know, apologizing to all the Canadian fans and to the Panama Federation and players for basically canceling this game and and all the preparations that came into it for for everybody, both on and off the field. So hopefully, this gets resolved in a positive way, and everybody comes out with it feeling like it's a win win situation. But I'm sure in the short term, for the fans that did go to Vancouver to catch the game, they're probably a little bit disappointed because there's obviously so much hype around the team and, and deservedly so for everything they've accomplished and how good they were in World Cup qualifying. In Canada, all right. Final thoughts, boys, as we uh, tie up this in soccer. We trust recap show for the U.S. Men's National Team versus Uruguay. Any final thoughts? Who wants to be on the hot seat first? Are we looking at Heath? Are we I'll, at I'll
1: jump on the hot seat first.
0: Chuck's mad. Mad's yeah. Already, yeah. Your seat's, seat's already, already hot. hot the whole time, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: seat's hot. I'm I'm confident with this group. I, I think they've taken a step forward, and now it's about getting it in in a rhythm. With with one another, there there's always these questions of who's going to play and and you know the tactics. Everything is nailed down. You know you you really just have two question marks: the the nine and the left center back. And then you got to figure out of the three these three players who plays: Aronson, Raina Wea. Right. Of those three players, are are two of the three playing? Are are one of the three playing? In in terms of uh the world cup because all three are going to are going to be at great clubs. And if all three are in form, how do you fit those, those players in the field? Is it okay? We're going to put way as a super sub and we're going to make aaronson a super sub because obviously MMA in midfield, that's not going anywhere. Unless there's an injury, that's your midfield three. So then how do you figure out to get those guys minutes? I think Gio Reyna, if he's fit and he's playing, he's, He's gotta be on the field. That's first choice eleven. Right, no, right, no doubt. Right. So um then, then it comes into what's the nine look like? If we're still in the same place as we are now come November, and Weya and Aaronson are playing, I think we're gonna see a false nine. Or or Way is gonna play the nine. But
0: wouldn't it, We have to try it. I know I'm sorry to interrupt your final thought, but we yeah. need to try that in one of these games.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. We have to
2: see it. We have to see it. Okay, Heath, final thoughts? Uh, I mean, mine are along the same line as, as Charlie's. Like, I went from sort of a false sense of confidence coming out of the World Cup qualifying of saying, okay, we made it, now what? To now seeing two different types of opponents, to seeing this team really show not necessarily a confidence to play against these teams, but a true ability to pass, move, as a unit, individually, just the quality of our players. I finally seen at an international level after two years of this sort of pre world cup, go nations league and then gold cup and then qualifying and all these things coming out of the backside. I see a very good group of, of individuals that, that can play at the international level, which I was kind of again, somewhat hopeful of or somewhat confident of, but now I'm, I'm, I'm convinced uh, even though they're friendly, so I'm just excited to see, as Charlie said, them them needing to come together and figure out how they're going to go and get results without a goal scorer. But I still like where we're at right now.
0: I like where we're at as well. I think that uh, it's important for us to criticize the areas, uh, and we don't, have to, we don't have to dramatize it, but just to to be critical because we know what this group is capable of, and and I think that we expect them to play at a certain level because we've seen their qualities and uh, we know what kind of a group we have, which we think is a special group, and I think they'll prove us right come World Cup time. Also, we did have a Paramount Plus card giveaway, a winner from last time, and I just want to give a shout-out to Yaz Nasty, baby. You were selected at random.
1: Okay, Okay. Yaz Nasty. Big win, Yaz Nasty. How to
0: redeem your prize, so congratulations to Yaz Nasty. If you're just joining us or didn't hear before, we're giving away another P Plus card. Make sure you follow us on ISWT Pod on Twitter. Drop P plus on Twitter, or you can do it here in the comments, leave your, your handle and P plus. If you're listening to this later, come find the YouTube channel, make it happen. Hit like, and subscribe while you're here. Am that I, is my final thought of the day. Bear? We're coming back to you guys <laughs> on Thursday. We've got a big game on the 10th this Friday against Granada. We'll have a little special preview for the Nations League coming up. And obviously a lot to discuss about what lineup we're going to see, what lineup we want to see, and what we think Greg's going to do and all that good stuff and what players are going to perform And hopefully we see some combinations of players that will give us maybe some more answers to some of the questions that we have. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Hollywood Heath Pierce, Charlie Davies, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching In Soccer We Trust. And we will see you next time. Later.